The Morning Struggle podcast is brought to you by Blue Clover Therapy, a mental health counseling practice in Salt Lake City, Utah. Visit www.bluecloverTherapy.com for more information. Blue Clover Therapy, because your mental health deserves a specialist. Welcome to the Morning Struggle Podcast, where we take habits of successful people and break them down one at a time into history, science, and action plan so you can implement them into your life and build a better you. Stay tuned. You know what's funny to me? What's funny to you? So last night I was taking a sheet. Um, a flat sheet that we didn't need. Like a bed sheet. Like a bed like okay. a bed flat sheet. And I was cutting it into strips and then I was cutting that into squares. I noticed that. You didn't comment at all on it. I didn't. Have you just gotten to the point where you were just like, Yup. You're always doing something like that. Yeah. Do you know what do you know what I'm doing? You're making ghosts. I am making ghosts. Because yeah. because at the time of this recording, it is August. It so is we the might first as well we might as well get ready for Halloween. It's September, honey. We've only got two months. Yeah, exactly. We only have two months. We're missing Labor Day. All those laborers are all sad because you're not celebrating them. <laughs> How would I celebrate We're probably a missing labor Canadian Flag Day. Day? Yeah, I would all those Canadians that. just being like, "I don't appreciate our flag." That's a hey? good point. So, all right, that was the worst Canadian expression. Expression. <laughs> Whatever you call it, Impre- anyway. impression, impression. Um, um, yeah. Anyway, good well, morning. I have to make I have to make the ghosts so that I am ready to put them on up um, October first. I'll give you the month of the holiday. I think that's acceptable. What? No. I'm like I can't say like I'll give you like right. you're gonna do it regardless because you run that's the what family. I do, yeah, and so I'll just like begrudgingly be like it's too early for Halloween. You know, get what? off my lawn. <laughs> Do you so, know what the w- real kicker would be? What's up? Is if I had you hang the ghosts. You probably will. Yeah. I know. That would really just get your goat if you're... It's not... That's not the expression. Oh, yeah. Get your goat. That's the expression. Get your goat. You say lose your goat. I say don't... A mom's about I'm, to lose I'm, her goat. Mom's about to lose her goat, mm-hmm. which I don't think is an expression we use in this country. Maybe they do in the goat herding countries. No, but think about it. Mom's going to lose her goat. Like her goats are going to be gone, and she'll be so mad. And she'll be so mad. And she loves her goats. goats. I get it. I know. I I understand. I'm bringing it into society. Yeah, I understand the premise behind the expression that you come up with. Yeah, I don't think it's something people say. Oh, I think they will. You think? I think they will. Mm -hmm. Well, if they maybe if they schedule like an expert, they'll have time to incorporate all of these amazing expressions that you invent. Because we're going to talk about expert scheduling. Good morning and welcome to the Morning Struggle Podcast. Hi guys. I'm Ty. I am Jesse. And we're going to talk about expert scheduling today. Mm-hmm. So this is a habit that a lot of CEOs um, incorporate, like Musk, right? Yes, like Musk and Benjamin Franklin. Oh. Is kind of who were, I they know were who, buddies. They, they were, were always... They high-fived gallivanting over across the world together yeah um but yeah so we're gonna talk about expert scheduling how Mm -hmm. experts and like high-end ceos they schedule their time because how do they get so much done in such a short period of time we all have the same amount of time that's a constant thing for everybody who lives on this planet right so why are they so much more efficient at it so we're gonna talk about that today we are and we're and just to be clear we we do have the routines um episode we talked about like general routines we have single tasking yeah. And there was one other one that I don't remember. It's okay. But anyway, but, this but is different. This is different. And you might hear like themes that were similar, but this is specific to something I want you to do to get your 
daily schedule really solidified. Very specific on the schedule. Yeah. All right, perfect. Well, let's get into the history, then we'll do some science, and we'll do coffee review, and we'll do some action plan. Awesome. This day in history. All right, for this, yeah. we're going to go a little bit of a different direction, okay. and I'm not going to give you history from the beginning of time until now of how people scheduled their time. Okay. But we're going to talk just about five of the worst CEOs in American history. Oh, no. So we're going to, instead of like people that were great at time management right. and and blocks uh, time blocking, these guys were probably terrible at it. Yeah. So this is, so the, the CEO kind of came to being in the late 19th century, the, the late 1800s. Before that, it was all family-run businesses. Yeah. You owned a steel mill, you ran the steel mill. You owned a cotton factory, you ran the cotton factory. Uh-huh. And then about, they say, probably um, Alfred Sloan. He was the GM CEO in the mid-1930s. Okay. He was probably like the first American like true CEO, oh. the way we see it today. Okay. So someone else outside of the family comes in to run the business. Oh. They're headhunted or they're they're hired for their expertise to push the business into a new frontier. So this is going to be five of the worst CEOs in history for Fortune 500 companies. A Fortune 500 company is a top 500 company, you know, earnings-wise, I believe, in the US. Oh, I see. So, I've always wondered or, or that. the world, it could be global. I'm not sure. Well, now now I don't know. Someone tell me. Anyway, the Fortune <laughs> 500 list. Uh -huh. Um so we're going to get right into it and start with Way back in the day, mm -hmm. the man himself, Thomas Edison. Oh. And he invented the phonograph, right? Right. The record player. Yeah. Right? So in, in 1887, he formed the Edison Phonograph Company because he invented the phonograph. Okay. But he used these wax cylinders for recording the music on. Oh. So it would the, the needle would go across a wax cylinder and then it would play. The problem was you couldn't mass produce these wax cylinders. Right. So it was very, very limited, like writing books by hand, essentially. And so uh, companies like Columbia, especially, uh -huh. made these solid lighter discs now that we call records. Oh, uh-huh. So Thomas Edison, though, he was staunch, thinking that my wax records are going to be the future. So he never let go, and he allowed all the competitors to dominate the business by selling their own discs. So he didn't make oh, no. them proprietary. Uh -huh. Like, you have to have a certain thing that you can't make because I've got a patent for it. So he just, because he thought wax was going to be the future. Right. Well, he continued down that aggressive path the whole time. And in 1929, the company shut down. Oh, that's a bummer. I know, Mr. Edison. So, um, and then we'll kind of go into the future. Okay. Now we have Chuck Conway from, from Kmart. So oh. in the 1970s, Kmart was like the Walmart. Yes. Of the time. It was everywhere. It was well, just, even growing up, like yeah. I just remember Kmart being the yeah. jam. And it was 60 years older than Walmart. It had been around oh, for really? 60 years. Wow. So it was probably time for Kmart to die when Walmart came around. But um, but it was like it had a thousand stores, but then it started to decline in profits. Mm -hmm. But even though it started to decline in profits and right. sales, they bought, Walden, they bought Walden Books, the Sports Authority, Office Max. They just went on this like box chain store buying spree, oh. thinking that it'd spur growth. It did not spur growth. So in 2000, they hired Chuck Conway. Okay. To become the CEO. Mm -hmm. He was going to turn around Kmart and he was going to be a formidable, formidable force in the U.S. Um, retail space. And they were going to improve their supply chain. And then 2002, two years later, they filed for bankruptcy. And Conway was accused of stealing company money to buy houses and airplanes. Oh, my gosh. Yep. So not only was the company going under, he was stealing money. Yep. And that leads us into Enron 
which is oh, yeah, Ken Enron. Lay. Everybody yeah. goes, because I, I was this way too. Yeah. It was like, oh yeah, the Enron scandal. And if someone were to say, tell me about the Enron scandal, I don't know I'd go, about it. well, there was a scandal with Enron. People got arrested. And that's all I would have. But Enron was an energy company. Um, it was a, a northern natural gas company. And they kind of expanded into into kind of different energies and water and utilities. Okay. So they were like a big utility company. And mm-hmm. it reached $101 billion in sales Whoa. in 2000. It was a small company to start with. So Ken Lay became CEO in 1986. So he was actually CEO for a long time before the Enron scandal. Right. But the problem with this is Enron for years like aggressively marketed their company to Wall Street, saying they're the best. And for like seven, four, four, five years, six years, they became America's most innovative company, like voted America's most innovative oh, company. I see. Uh-huh. But at that time, they were hiding all their financials and doctoring their books to show profits that weren't really there. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Because you have shareholders. Oh, it's for the shareholders. So you have shareholders I and gotcha. you have you have stock prices. And so you say, well, we're doing really good. We made you know, a billion dollars in profits this year. Mm-hmm. And, but all these liabilities are off your books or shifted or moved to shell companies or whatever it is. So it does looks like you made that when in fact, you maybe you had a huge deficit. Oh, I so, see what you're so anyway, so that scandal broke and then uh, good old, good old K or Ken, he got convicted, was found guilty of securities fraud, but he died right before he went to prison. Well, so is it, is it really his, would it be his fault that he, they were all sheltered? Like did, was he aware, I guess? Was he aware? Yeah. Like, there's the CEO. Cause, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. He was aware. Oh, yeah. Well, because, I mean, sometimes there's things happening in the mid-levels. Yeah, like, can it, higher all, can it all be the... Yeah, can yeah. it all be them? So... He died, um, though, he, huh? he died, yeah. That's so, bummer. All right. Two more. Ready? Compaq. Yes. You remember Compaq? No. The computer? Nope. They invented the first laptop, essentially. The first portable computer. Oh, seriously? Yeah. And it was started in 1982 with a $3,000 investment from free founders. And it was the first available like laptop, the father of the laptop. Oh. And then they, they made a regular like low-end server. Okay. And they were on fire. They were like, they pushed out IBM and Packard Bell. Like they were they were like the cheap but kind of effective computing, computing system. Wow. And then they hired Eckhard Pfeiffer. Okay. And he wanted... He wanted like a better a better product. He wanted to be the best out there. He mm-hmm. wanted to be the IBM of the time. Right. So he started manufacturing super expensive and high-end machines and acquiring companies that produce these high-end machines. Okay. The problem is it's technology. So all these technologies that he was investing in were becoming obsolete, like quicker and quicker. Oh, no. So he was, he was one of those guys who couldn't hold on and, and predict the future of what people wanted and move forward fast, as fast right. as technology moves. So essentially... They just kind of got left in the dust with these high-end computers when they probably would have been profitable if they stuck to the low-end stuff. And, and just kept doing their own thing. Uh-huh. Oh. And this was, was a great one. So when he bought a company called um, DEC, and okay. anyway, DEC owned AltaVista. You remember AltaVista, the very first search engine? Like the first first Google? Oh, Could you imagine being like, okay, I bought this company, and they're making me a high-end server, and they've got this like thing. I don't know what we're going to use with it. And then Google comes along and is like, hey, we made kind of the same thing, but it's our thing. We're going to be the most successful company in the world. And you're like, I've been, I had that in my closet for like 10 years. What was I doing? <laughs> so anyway, um, oh, Compact was sold wild. to HP in 2002 for a discounted price. Oh. And the last one we have is yeah. Kay Whitmore of Eastman Kodak. Oh, Kodak. Kodak I, Film. Yeah. So yeah. I'm listening to the Richard Brandt. Um, Branson. Yeah, yeah, Branson. The Virgin Records guy. Yeah. 
Um, and he talks about this one. It's super oh, sad. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. So 1880. So the company was founded in 1880 and it was the film standard. That's all people use. Well, the Kodak moment. The Kodak moment. Like, like it's they, in our language. Yeah. yeah. It was it, it was a ridiculous company. Number 44 on the Fortune 500 for selling film. Right. Like that is incredible if you think about it. Um, they had sales over a billion dollars, putting it ahead of like, of like um, the Dow Chemical and a bunch of other big, big companies that produce mass things for like everybody in big industry. Right. Anyway, so the share prices were skyrocketing. Everything was great. And then in 1984... Fujifilm came around mm -hmm. and Fujifilm was just as good as Kodak mm -hmm. and sold at 20% less. Yep. And Kodak decided, well, we're our brand. We're, we're Kodak moment. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're going to survive this. We are the brand. So they didn't do any R and D. They didn't try to lower their prices. They didn't try to do anything. They just said, people will pay more for our product. People did not pay more for their product. No. And so then they invented the first digital camera. Did you know Kodak invented the first digital camera yep. and the first megapixel camera? Yeah. They should be the biggest company in the world right now. Yeah. And but because they held on to this film idea and wouldn't bring that down and, and put an R and D there, mm -hmm. they just kept dumping money and everything. And next thing you know, they are a failed business. Yeah. So. Isn't that sad? Because you're hanging on to what your original profiter was. You're hanging instead on instead of realizing that digital is the next leap, and they could have easily. Taken that market by storm. It. They even invented it. Yeah, that's the thing is is they they could have. Yeah, they could have been. Oh, been isn't there. that so, just so sad? So sad. Yeah. So anyway, those are the five worst CEOs in history. So sad. So um, that's that's all I got for for my. Uh, oh, and that was Kay Kay Whitmore was was the CEO during that time. Oh. So gotcha. anyway, okay, those are that's what I got for history. Oof. It's a sad history. Oh my gosh, it's so sad. I know. So let's go back into happy vibes. Oh, such happy vibes. And then you tell us how time block scheduling or expert scheduling is going to make us all essentially build Fortune 500 companies. Yep, all of them. Let's do it. So the reason why I want you to do this expert scheduling and really get yourself to be the most efficient um, the this particular style and we're we're going to call it expert because it's actually a blend between um, musk and benjamin franklin like a musk time blocking thing yeah and whatever franklin did because um e um elon 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 uh, musk does his time blocks like 5 to 15 minutes like he is just like pumping through all of the stuff right and then benjamin franklin was actually by the hour it was a slower time back in Ben Franklin's days. I don't think it was slower. It just kind of has, has jam. Oh, really? It's just how it is. Yeah. You don't think time when people were slower back then? Just like took their time? Less Netflix? Yeah. There's, anyway. Well, okay. there's less Netflix. But yeah, so the blending of these two seems to be incredibly effective. And what they found, so the productive rate using this expert scheduling is it makes you about 40% more productive. 40% more productive. 40%. That's almost... If you put that in, in context, like that's that's crazy. That's almost, you know, 1.5 times what you're doing now. Right. And imagine if so your boss came to you and said, hey, you make X amount of dollars. What if we added 1.5 times, you know, like what if, what if we added half your salary back onto your salary? What right. do you think about that? would be like, Whoa, awesome. That's Let's do this. huge. Yeah. So that's what you would do with your time, essentially. Yeah. This is what I want you to do with your time. The first thing is I want you to reduce choices and have more autopilot. 
Okay. Right? Uh, so at Cornell University, they came out with a study in 2017. It's super good. Um, adults make about 35,000 choices or decisions a day. Okay. That's con- a lot. Yeah. Consciously. Um, what I thought was funny, and this has nothing to do with anything, uh, 226 choices are about food. Oh. And I would think out of that, like, and I'm like, do I make that many choices about food? It's really not important, but still. Um, and so what we're doing is we're eliminating those small decisions um, because what happens, and this is the cool part of the study, is when at the beginning of your day, you're about 70% effective at making um, positive and uh, healthy choices for yourself. That makes sense. Right? Yeah. By the end of the day, you're only at 10%. Well, because you've been making 35,000 choices. You're just burned out of making choices. Yeah, it is so bad. And so by eliminating like what you're going to wear every day. So um, like Barack Obama wore only blue or gray suits. So that's like the Steve Jobs wear your black turtleneck kind of thing. Like, no, that's Steve. Yes, that's Steve yeah, Jobs. And yeah. then Zuckerberg had a gray t-shirt and jeans. Yeah. So like that's, yeah. you just, you just kind of wear it. And I do the same thing. Like I have my dresses. I go in, I pick a dress, and I put it on, and it's not a big deal. But then it eliminates a eliminates a big choice. Or like what you eat, if you have your food be more consistent, um, then that's really, that reduces all of the millions of choices you have to make. Um, and that way you can be most effective by the end of the day. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, um, and, then, and then the third thing I want you to do is I want you to reduce multitasking. And here's why. So this is the University of Sussex. This research just came out. I'm so excited. You I'm are. So sorry. I'm like, your hands are of, all over the place. <laughs> hand gestures. So what they found is that there is brain damage in the area of the brain that is associated with empathy and um, emotional control. Whoa. So if you multitask, mm-hmm. you're going to be less empathetic and more prone to tantrums? Right. Well, because here's the thing. Originally, and I'm pretty sure that I talked about research about this before, is that before we weren't sure if it was a nature or nurture kind of a thing. Yeah. This Cornell study found it's, that it's the, nature. That it well, so the more I mean, multi, nurture, it's the nurture, more yeah. multitasking that you do, the more brain damage you cause. The more brain damage that you have. Like, are you kidding me? It's crazy. That is nuts. So multitasking is really bad for your brain. Okay. It literally makes it literally you like emotionally IQ goes down. You're unable to do that. So this is why I want you to use this very specific expert scheduling type of scheduling moving forward. Okay. What about me who's like trying to bring down my emotional IQ because it's just already way too high? <laughs> was that what so, you think that is? Is that, is that, that a thing? That is so off. Is that not that it? That is so off. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So is that it for, for science? Though? That's all we're going to talk about in science because we got a big action, action plan. plan. Yep. Got a big action plan. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so crazy. So stop multitasking because you're literally hurting you're your brain. Literally hurting your brain. It's like probably like drinking too much. <laughs> I, don't I don't know, know if it's that, if it's that much, but anyway. But it's right. bad. It is so bad. Okay. Crazy. And then we'll get into what to do and how to schedule like yes. these experts. Okay. And then before that though, coffee review. Coffee review. I drank. Pots and pots and pots and pots of strong black coffee Trying to keep my sleepy soul awake But the sleepiness still comes along And when it does, it's fast and strong I end up with a bad case of the shakes So what are we drinking this morning? I don't know. Well, we're drinking... (laughs) 
um, a Starbucks coffee. Yeah, we are. But one of like the fancy designer ones. I know, and you wouldn't let me get the one with the elephant on the we, front. We thought it'd be because it was a medium roast. We don't anyway. It so, had a cuter package. It had a cuter package, and that's we know that that's how you judge coffee. Kind of the cute package, but um, so we thought we'd give Starbucks a shot at some of their more designer coffee. Right. So because we have been drink, uh, drinking a little bit of the boutique coffees, and they are exceptionally better. They're so good. They are exceptionally better. So we yeah. thought, well, let's do the Starbucks one that's kind of pricey. Yeah. And so this is the Rift Valley Blend. It's straight from Africa. It's their Passport Series, and it's got dark chocolate and citrus flavors. Mm-hmm. So, which, it, which sounds awesome. Which sounds awesome. They did a good job. And it's supposed to be, you know, ethically harvested and, um, yeah, it, it, should, it should be pretty fairly standard of their, their better blends. Yeah. And what do you think of it? I think it's good. Yeah, I, it's, it's certainly not bitter and no so i would say it's better than the normal coffee but i would still say it's lacking from those private like yeah the small small roasters companies yeah and why is that i i think it's just that everything's mass produced you think it's like a mass produced thing probably like if you get a hamburger from a mass produced burger joint like that that was pretty good but then you go to some place that's like a, a diner style where that dude has like pounded down or ground up his like prime beef and like made Bob's it with burgers. love. You're, like, you're like talking Bob's about Bob's Burgers. Talking about Bob's Burgers. Yeah, that burger's going to taste better. That burger's going to taste better. Yeah. So, that's, so pretty good yeah, though. Why. I mean, like, I, I'm. it's not a bad thing. Yeah, it's not bad. It's it's not a bad coffee, but it's, yeah, yeah it's just not quite quite there. So if you're drinking your your boutique coffees from your local roaster and you're like, I don't know, it's like, like save some money if I just went back down to Starbucks or even Starbucks, you know, signature blend, just stay. Just stay with your your little guy because he's making that with love and you can taste the love. There is so much love in there. So It's tasty love. So there you go. So this is the coffee. Let's go grab a bag of another local or boutique. If you yeah. guys have ideas. Um, so we've been getting a few few ideas for places. Just mm-hmm. shoot us an email or uh, whatever you do on your Instawebs, on your Instagrams. <laughs> I don't know. Just shoot us an idea of what coffee to review. And yeah. we'll go out and we'll buy that coffee and we'll, we'll taste it and see it. But anyway, the chocolate flavors, the chocolate flavor, it says it's got chocolate and citrus. Right. I don't really taste any super rich chocolatey or citrus tones in this, do you? No, I don't. Yeah. I, I mean, but it's also, it's not a bad coffee. No, no, I would it's give not it, bad. are we on a five scale? Yeah, sure. We're on a five scale. So like a three. I, I'll, like a B, I'll give you like a B plus. Oh my gosh. So yeah. So It drives me so nuts. So anyway, um, anyway, so we're going to do a nice quick coffee <laughs> review to get through that because we got a long action plan. So long. With our expert scheduling. I'm so, excited. Sorry, the coffee review is kind of lackluster today, but just yeah, know. this is good though. Just That's know fine. that we're kind of in a. Meh, kind of a coffee drinking phase right now for the next week or two while we finish this bag of coffee. That's true. So, all right. And let us know what coffee you guys drink. Mm-hmm. We've never done that before. Yeah. Like, what are people drink? Are we like drinking Starbucks and we're the only ones keeping that business alive? I doubt that. Or are the people drinking it? Or what are they drinking? <laughs> are you got some fancy thing? Do you roast your own coffee beans? Oh I my even, gosh. I don't even know. Is that a thing? Yeah. Can we do that? Probably. I feel like. Probably not. Um, <laughs> so anyway, just let us know. The morning struggle coffee. Yeah. Oh, no, we're not doing a new endeavor. We're good. So anyway, all right, well, let's get into it. We actually probably could take it on if we get to this expert scheduling. Yeah. So if we figure out how to expert schedule, we'll have 40% more productivity. We'll for be begging for things to yeah. do. Yeah. All right, let's get into that so we can get our coffee roasting company going. Let's hope you make the most of it, my boy. Okay, the first thing I want you to do is I want you to sit down with a notebook. 
we all this is like the same thing, right? You sit down with a notebook and you assess where okay, you're at right now. And I know now. that the the youngins always use their computers, and that's fine. You can do that. Okay. I want you to start with your three biggest tasks, and those are going to be your highest priorities. Okay, that makes okay. sense. And it, I mean, just to kind of way to break it down. And then I want you to make a, a list in order of the tasks that you typically do. Okay, like for a daily task, like make my bed and and go to the and grocery the store kids, and get the kids. Up and going, okay. And like roughly how much time these things take, okay. Um, and and be generous. Give yourself more time than you think. Okay. Um, and then you can start narrowing and honing this down as you go along. But really, you want to be generous because you don't want to be like, oh my gosh, we're ten minutes late for school because I I didn't get I didn't get this figured out. Okay. Right. So um, what they did is they took the the Elon Musk and the Benjamin Franklin way of doing things. And what they do, and I don't know how you would do this on a computer, but I know how to do it on a sheet of paper. You take a, um, you put a column of times down the center of your paper, leaving equal amounts of side room. Okay. Um, on both sides. Makes sense. Right. Does that make sense? Yep. I have lots of hand gestures with this. Um, and then you're going to write the time that you wake up or that you would like to wake up. So like ours would be like five. Right. And then you would, that's your start of your day. And then you continue all the way through even sleeping hours. Okay. Like each hour? You write down each hour yeah. or 15 minutes or like so five minutes like Elon Musk? What do you do? Well, so the way that they did it in these studies was by hour, but they gapped it. So you could have like a, you could roughly tell what the half an hour mark was. Okay. Or, the, or roughly 15 minutes. So you'd 15 kind of schedule so. by the hour, but if you needed to schedule things tighter, you could. Yeah. And if you're okay. musk, and if you're musking it... Um, I'm, I don't know exactly cause I couldn't find an example of what his schedule looks like, but I know like what they talk about is it's five to 15 minute increments depending on what's going on. Right. And it seems like it's gotta be like a spreadsheet cause it ta- it's gapped out okay. for like the f- five minutes. And he's got so much to do. Like I, I don't think I could, my five minute blocking would be a lot of repeats. Right. So, okay. So now you're going to start pushing the list essentially that you made with all of your estimated times into this schedule. Okay, your list of your three biggest tasks and then all your your daily routine tasks. Right, and it is and you're going to put your these tasks on the right side of the paper. The right side of the paper. The right side of the paper. Okay. Okay. Um and again, trying to be realistic and make sure that you have transitions in there too because people forget that like if if I'm home and I need to get to work. It's going to take me There's 20 minutes. There's going to be a commute. Yeah. yeah. Right. So making sure that you have all of your transitions in there as well. Okay. And then your three um, most important tasks, when you have those work times or those those gaps in there, those really should be in those times that you are like in your prime. Okay. So like you and I are in our prime, if you will, in the morning, where some people are, are in their prime at like nine o'clock at night. And I don't understand right. you crazy people, but... But so you when want... you need to be the most productive, when you need to do your TPS reports, uh-huh. you know, from like office space, when you do those <laughs> and and you're really productive in the morning, put that in there in the morning. Yep. First thing. Yeah. But if you're, if you're a little bit of like an afternoon person, maybe, maybe push those into the afternoon spot. Yeah. Okay. And making sure that like, you know, when your, your time is, because sometimes we're just not very observant. We're like, oh, I'll get to that after lunch. When after lunch, you're not productive at all. Okay. So making sure that you are aware of that. Okay. Got it. And then on your left hand side, we want to have an umbrella question. An umbrella question. We call it an umbrella question. And what it is, so like Benjamin Franklin, his example was he had, so he had an early morning question and then an evening question. And the early morning one was, what shall I, okay, what good shall I do this day? 
Okay. Okay. And the evening question was, what good have I done today? Okay. Okay. And basically with this umbrella, and you don't have to do that, like, what good am I doing? Um, It could be kind of that general focus. So it's not like I need to get that presentation done. It's that I want to help people understand mental health. Okay, the, the purpose behind all these tasks. Yes. Okay. And so what it does is this really interesting thing where you kind of combine scheduling and journaling in the same form. Oh. Because you're, you're, you have like a, a general purpose and then you're reassessing that general purpose. Oh, that makes sense. I like that a lot. Yeah. So then as you go along your day, as you're marching down your tasks on the right-hand side, you, you can make notes in, on the left-hand side about how effective or if you need more time or less time or if you need to have a better setup, like maybe your office needs to be set up differently or something in this in this left-hand side with the understanding that you have your umbrella question there right. and trying to keep your general focus in. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. And then, so you take this schedule that you've just done and then you can switch it over to the next day or whatever day um, you would have it noting all of your notes that you did throughout the day. So if I needed more time for my commute, um, I then I would adjust my new schedule, and, and I um, do the same thing. Do I do the same umbrella question for each one, or do I, I make up whatever question kind of that that fits with the, whatever I'm trying to accomplish that day? Well, so it's it's because like it's the, less about accomplishment; it's more about the purpose behind the accomplishment. But did Ben Franklin use the same two questions every schedule? That is not what, uh, what I couldn't find anything on that. But okay. I, but what they believe he did was that it would be based on kind of roughly what he was doing within like the week or the month. Okay. So so maybe, because yeah. you can't do it every single day. I mean, you, you probably run out of, you yeah, know, like, purpose. Oh, so many purposes. Yeah. yeah. But so maybe when you need to shake it up and be like, okay, well, I'm doing different tasks now. I need to maybe have a different purpose statement. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And so um, what they talk about is ghost, ghost scheduling. You're not scheduling time with ghosts. But you made ghosts um, you at made, the kitchen table. That's what you So that's what it is. It's ghosts. Because those ghosts need to be 40% more productive <laughs> than just sitting around our house waiting it's for Halloween for just, two months. I know. That's two months of wasted time. Exactly. This makes more sense now. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> it all comes together. It all comes together. So you can come up with schedules with our schedules. Um, with you going to work, not that you're going to work right now, but when, when you go back to work over the, over the set, I'm going to have a different schedule than when I'm at work. Right. Right. And so you can kind of cut up like, or uh, come up with like a shell or a ghost schedule of how you want your days to run on weekdays or weekends or Fridays or like it, as the schedule kind of shifts a little bit. So you don't have to recreate this every single time because right. this is kind of a lot. Or you could do it in a spreadsheet, like an Excel or numbers spreadsheet. I know that's scary. I know. It's or you could just, or you could photocopy a ghost schedule. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah. And just kind of go in and kind of refill it in um, and alter it according to, to what you need for that time frame. Mm-hmm. And then really the, the focal point of those questions is a good way to like scoot you into motivation and remembering why in the world that you're why, doing, why am I doing all these things? Yeah, that's like because sometimes we get entrenched in our schedule right. and we we forget why in the world we're doing it. But then the, those umbrella questions really bring us back to why we're doing it. And that makes sense. Like like in a personal example for me, like when we were coaching a lot right now with mm-hmm. our kids and we're taking our kids to a lot of other uh, practices that we're not coaching. Right. And I'm really amped up during these things and I'm starting to lose focus of why I'm actually there. And it's yeah. not to make my daughter a professional lacrosse player yeah. or my son a professional soccer player. It's, mm-hmm. it's to build self-confidence and self-worth and get them physical activity 
And so when I put that in my context, I can put that in my left side, like mm-hmm. lacrosse practice. And then I can put in my umbrella thing, NCAA Division One champion. <laughs> and then and then I realize it's like, yeah. I don't care about their confidence. Like if they become that's champions right. and they hold that trophy up. That's when you'll That's when you'll get confidence, right? <laughs> so no, but so I can go, I can go, hey, we're building confidence and self-esteem. Right. So maybe not yell at my eight-year-old daughter. I don't yell at her, but I mean, like, no, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't do, oh, yeah, don't yeah. do the typical coach thing. Yeah. Because you're trying to build confidence and that's what we do in sports. Exactly. Okay. That makes more sense for yeah. me. Okay. So, and that's why we keep that. What, why are we doing what So it doesn't have doing? to be like, oh, I'm productive. I'm writing a book or whatever. It can be right. basic tasks like cleaning the house or mm-hmm. like taking the kids to sports or whatever that is. Yep. And okay. that general purpose, right? right? And then the last thing is putting in there somewhere about 30 minutes of fire time, like when you have to put out fires. So but the musk like like firefighting not so like actually we don't schedule fires <laughs> like hey guys we'd love to go on this alarm but I've already got it in my my little block scheduling <laughs> that we have a four thirty fire so everybody keep watching your movie okay. is that what we're talking about no that's that way when you're putting out like, like personal fires yes exactly got it so the musk way is that there's like five minutes throughout the day. And I, what I would assume is that like those five minutes when they don't get eaten up by other things, by the end of the day, you have an extra half an hour someplace in case you want to do an extra something or another, right? Oh, is he, but is he pushing his schedule up? Well, I, and, and I think, I'm not sure. I think that there's always fires for Musk. Yeah, I'm not I'm sure. So, um, but where you don't spend, I don't, I don't, the way that they put it here is that it doesn't have to be like a full half an hour where you're like, don't have any fires, going to watch an office. Right. Like it's, it's, you can implement it throughout your day so that you can like prep for like the ribbon weeks that I've been doing. Right. Um, or where pre-make I'm like, some dinner stuff cause you yeah. know, it's going to be busy. So do you, do you add those little blocks in your schedule? Yes. So, so how, how often do you put in the, the putting out fires blocks? Well, so the the way that the mu- the Musk version of this is like five minutes. It's kind of scattered throughout the day. Okay. Um, but they did have it where people were chunking out like 15-minute blocks. Just a few of them, like and, two or three? Or? Yeah. Okay. Um, depending on, because it's roughly 30 minutes, but um, like a couple of 15-minute blocks to really get those done around the time that they would have the most... Where they're at globally, like if they're at home, okay. they're more likely to like prep dinner kind of right. a thing. Um, but like if I'm at the office, I can't prep dinner. So like 15 minutes at, at either place that you were at to so put out fires. 15 minutes at the office, 15 yeah. minutes at home, and those are just to put out fires. Right. I kind of okay. like the five minute version because then you're just like, I'm going to get this quick task done and then move on to my next task. But okay. I can see the merit of 15 minutes because then it's like I you can might have literally things, do... Right whatever full task I can do. So um, I think it just kind of works with whatever schedule you have going on. And then um, identifying those those more dramatic times maybe in your schedule and trying to insert those fire times in there. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. And we didn't do a self-assessment. We didn't do cortisol. And there's <laughs> so, but, but we did. This was awesome. We're, so we're going to try this. We are. We don't do this right now. Not currently. But today we're going to go upstairs and we're going to start this this um, expert scheduling. Yeah, I think I need another planner. Oh my gosh, so <laughs> many planners. I don't know how we can keep I need a planner to planners. keep my planners. We'll give it a shot and see how it goes. Yeah, I am super excited about this. You guys give it a shot, see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Well, and we'll all talk later on around the campfire that we have scheduled. That we have scheduled. we have scheduled. <laughs> and we'll find out if we have built better us's. Yep, I'm so, excited. Yeah. I really, and there's some good research behind this. Okay, all right, so re- it's research driven. So yep. get out there and uh, build a better you. Thank you guys.